If you go to YouTube, you can find videos that feature a debate between a Christian and an atheist. Is there a growing perception in our culture that Christians are the dumb ones and atheists are the smart ones? Have you ever found yourself in a discussion where you confess that you believe in creation and reject evolution? Or are you afraid to acknowledge your biblical positions because you might be judged to be the not-so-smart one? Let's talk about it today on this installment of Craving Answers, Craving God. I'm Chuck Rathard with Aaron Miller. Aaron is the pastor of St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. Aaron, today, before we begin our discussion, I want to share an encouraging note from one of our listeners. The writer heard our episode 81, titled, How to Walk with Someone Who is Suffering. The listener commented, this hit really close to home on how I've been trying to fix the problems that my friends have instead of just being with them. I really needed to hear this. So it's nice to know that our conversations can be helpful. Yeah, it's been um, a lot of our episodes lately have been conversations that you and I have had, Chuck, about comments and questions that people have sent in too. So it's good to know that we really want to talk about stuff that is connecting with them. And if you guys who are listening uh, have anything you want us to talk about, uh, send it in. We'd love to talk about it. And we'll give you that email address at the end of this program. So on to the subject of the day. If a person says he's an atheist, what is he telling us about himself? Uh, that statement, I'm an atheist, it gives us some information, and then there's some information that's still required. Uh, an atheist is someone who believes that there is no God. Uh, that's what they do, that's what they're telling us that we we can know. We don't know why though. Um, there's different reasons for why people are an atheist. Uh, sometimes it's just simply because. Uh, they grew up in a, a context where God wasn't ever spoken about or uh, it, it was just wasn't discussed around the dinner table. And so they just grew up kind of being the default mode. They never thought about it, never went to church. Sometimes people are atheists because they're uh, the problem of evil. Um, why are there so many bad things in a world if God exists and he's good and all-powerful? We've talked about that before. A lot of times people who are atheists because of the problem of evil, when I talk to them, I find out they're not exactly atheist in the sense of they don't think there's a God. I mean, they're actually angry at God. You know, I refuse to believe in a God that would allow suffering. And so they've refused to believe in they, they've refused to believe in this God. that they're angry at somebody that they've come to believe doesn't exist. And that's that's actually that that's a different angle than somebody who, you know, grew up atheist and it just wasn't on their radar screen. And so to find out why it is, who is the God you don't believe in? That's a good question to ask. If somebody says, I'm an atheist, one of the things I'll sometimes ask is, you know, I'll say, that's interesting. Who is the God that you don't believe in? And this is helpful too for a Christian. Sometimes I'll find out it's a God I don't believe in. Sometimes they'll say, I, I can't believe in this, you know, being up there in the sky who looks down and you know, does favors for people that he likes and he zaps with lightning people he doesn't like. And also, I don't believe in that God either. I, you know, the God that I worship is a, a Jewish construction worker. 
And um, so sometimes it's helpful just to figure out what, so when you say, you, you know, I, I, when, I'm rambling a bit here now, but most atheists that I meet are Christian atheists in the sense that the God they don't believe in is like a personal God. Uh, hardly any of them say, I don't believe in the pantheistic force of Hinduism. It's almost always like the Judeo-Christian Islamic God that they don't believe in. And so it's helpful to kind of nail that down and figure out where they're at and what, what specifically did they mean by God. So you say you have met a, 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 uh, atheists. Do you know or are you acquainted with something where a conversation would go beyond, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? And then on yeah. with the rest of your life. Do you have an atheist for a friend or atheist for a friend somewhere, somehow? And if you do, do you know any atheist that has come to faith? Uh, yes and yes. I've got atheists who are friends, uh, people who I discuss God questions with who are atheists, not just acquaintances who happen to be atheists, but friends who uh, I discuss God questions with. Um, and yes, I, I know that there's people who... Um, gone to my church, who have been baptized at, at my church, who when I met them, they were atheists. And uh, over the course of time, they came to believe in God, uh, confessed the Christian faith, and are now Christians. So uh, yes to both. Okay, I'm going to simplify your kind of your definition that you gave here at the top of the program of an atheist. I When I think of an atheist, I think of a person who affirms definitively that there is no God. Right. A Christian affirms definitively, that there is a God. I see no common ground here for a dialogue. What could possibly be gained in a private discussion now? I'm not talking about like on YouTube when the atheist and the Christian get together. It's usually in a public forum. There's an audience who watches the debate. Right. I'm talking about a private conversation yeah. between persons of these seemingly completely divergent beliefs. How do you... How do you, where do you go? How do you start? Right. So if the atheist wants to convince the Christian that atheism is correct and the Christian wants to convince the atheist that Christianity is correct, they have to find some sort of common ground on which to build. That's a good way to start. And I like that you started with this question, Chuck. Um, for me, one of the things that, that, that I think is important, and I didn't, I, you know, I didn't create any of this stuff. I, I'm not an original thinker. This is just comes from reading uh, atheist and Christians and, and how they interact with each other, um, watching videos of YouTube debates and things like that. One of the things that a Christian should do, because I'm a Christian, I'm going to speak as a Christian, is to try and to try and show the atheist that their position is not one of rationality over against the Christian's position of faith or opinion or even more loaded superstition. And a lot of them, this is, I heard a conversation recently between a Christian thinker and an atheist named A.C. Grayling, where Grayling said, hey, atheism is just simply a lack of belief. Atheism doesn't have a belief system because it's not a faith. It doesn't believe anything. That's what atheism is. And one thing I think Christians should do is to try to gently and kindly show that no, atheism is a belief system. And I know I've said this on an episode before, but if I, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, but I can't prove that God exists. An atheist believes that there is no God, 
but he or she can't prove that God doesn't exist, which means that any conversation that we have about God or no God is a faith conversation. Both of us are coming from a position of we can't prove what we're saying. And so this is a common ground that we can hopefully come to stand on. And many atheists now are doing that. Um, they're acknowledging, and that's why a lot of atheists have moved from um, you know, being hardcore atheists to being agnostics, to saying, okay, 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 I shouldn't say I'm an atheist, I'm an agnostic. We and just an can't agnostic know. is what? Someone who says, we can't know that there's a God or not. We can't know if there's a God or not. I'm uncertain. I'm uncertain. Or even like I'm certain that you can't know. That's that's uh, okay. That, that that that's probably uncertainty is. It's better to say that they're certain that you can't know. So to 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 talk to an atheist and say, actually, we both are coming from a position of faith. You actually do have a faith system, and then the question becomes not because it's loaded with, and this is kind of our topic today. That 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 conversation can be loaded with, I'm smart and you're dumb, or you know both sides thinking I'm smart and you're dumb. And trying to say, well, if you're smart, you would just see this. And it's not a question of smart or dumb. It's a question of presuppositional commitments. It's a question of foundationally, what do you believe? And then how do you look at the evidence to match up with that? Uh, a Christian believes that God exists. And so the evidence that she sees in the world points to that. An atheist believes that God doesn't exist. And so the evidence that she sees in the world points to God not existing. They're not smart or dumb. They just have different starting points philosophically. And I, th I think that's a great place to start is to say, oh, you you do have faith. And some of them won't want to admit this. Talking about YouTube debates, and I've mentioned this before. I, one of my favorites is, uh, you can find this on YouTube, is, is a debate, a public debate that Richard Dawkins, uh, evolutionary biologist and atheist, had with John Lennox, uh, mathematician and Christian, where uh, Dawkins wanted to make the point that I'm an atheist, so I have no faith. I don't believe in faith and superstition. I believe in logic and rationality. And uh, Lennox got him to have a conversation about, do you know that your wife loves you? Can you prove that your wife loves you? Well, no, he can't prove it. He does, it's not the kind of thing that evidence works for. Dawkins is willing to go there. So then you believe that your wife loves you. But he can't go there either because he just said, I don't have beliefs. You know, I, I only work on rationality. And, and, and Lennox was trying to get him to see, no, you actually can't live your life without faith commitments. And Dawkins didn't want to go there, but it's absolutely true. He does. You know, he's a husband and, 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 and he loves his wife. It's, it's, a, it's a trust issue. It's a faith issue. And as a Christian, I want atheists to see that we can have a common discussion about our faith commitments and without getting into the I'm smart and you're dumb rhetoric. So what would you say to a Christian, and I'm talking now about a committed, devoted Christian, who says to you, yes, I do feel like I'm the stupid one when I'm put on the spot by an atheist or any op opponent of Christianity. What would you say? Uh, you just might be. <laughs> That's what I would say. You just might be stupid? Yes. Uh, Bill Maher. That's this encouraging. Is, so several years ago when Bill Maher was in his uh, cage stage, new atheist uh, phase, where he's actually kind of mellowed out lately, uh, partly because he's seen that Christians are are nice to him when he disagrees with uh, when he disagrees with a certain portion of the portion of the population that he's always assumed is on his side who isn't, and they get angry. Christians are consistently kind to him, and so he's kind of mellowed a little bit lately. But he put out this; it was kind of a documentary, although it wasn't very well done, 
where he kind of went around, he's, you know, bashing Christianity. And he went around talking to just all kinds of salt and salt of the earth types who had no clue how to defend their faith. You know, they just, they were just Christians. They just, you know, a lot of people who are rural and he talked to them and asked them tough questions, which they couldn't answer and made them look like real boobs. And then the kind of the point of the documentary was like, see, these people are dumb. And it, it kind of backfired on him because he came across as, as an elitist, arrogant snob. And these people just seem like just, you know, they, they aren't intelligent people. They aren't college educated. Sophisticated. They, yeah, they're not sophisticated. They don't read Francis Schaeffer. They don't study, you know, Heidegger and, and Sartre and, uh, you know, Kierkegaard. They're just honest people who, like, do their jobs and try, try to do their best by their families. And th- they believe in Jesus. And this is one of the things that came to my mind when I was watching a little bit of that uh, documentary is the thing about atheist is I don't know any dumb atheist. I, I don't agree with everything they say, but to be an atheist, you have to be intelligent. That's a part of the deal because it's very logical. Well, that's and, where you put all your chips. That's right. Yeah. And, and you're doubling down on reasons and evidences and, and logic. And so all the atheists I know are very intelligent. But honestly, I know a lot of Christians who aren't intelligent. And this is the wonderful thing about Christianity. See, and this is why, uh, for, for some atheists I know, it's hard for them to give up because they've joined the atheist club, which is its own, own sort of like anti-religious mensa. Like, we are the intelligent ones. We're the smart ones. And it creates this, this little tiny community of we're the only ones who understand what all these superstitious people can't understand. We are the smart ones. And it's a very private, exclusive group. And to get in, you have to be a certain type of person. You have to be intelligent. For Christians, though, I know know many hyper-intelligent Christians, people who are super smart. Um, My PhD supervisor is a genius. John Polkinghorne uh, was was a, a, a theoretical physicist at Cambridge for many years, devout Christian. One of the interesting things about um, um, analytical philosophy right now is is that there is a, a sharp rise in devout Christians in the world of analytical philosophy. Much of the philosophy department at Cambridge and Oxford right now are believing Christians. I know of Christians who are mathematicians. I mentioned John Lennox a second ago, top-notch mathematician. I know there are lots and lots of super intelligent Christians, but here's the great thing about Christianity is you don't have to be smart to be a Christian. I know of a lot of you Christians. You know how awkward that sounds? Well, only to a culture that says smart people are important and unintelligent people aren't. But in the real world, where there's lots of people who are all different kinds of ways, I know lots of Christians who are they don't approach their Christianity rationally. They approach it emotionally. They've had powerful experiences where they've felt the love of God. And they wouldn't call themselves smart people. They're they're emotional people. I know lots of people. My father is a wonderful Christian, devout Christian. He wouldn't describe himself as a thinker. He doesn't read books. He likes to watch action cop shows on TV. He wouldn't describe himself as a really emotional person. He doesn't have like these power. He doesn't come to church and have powerful experiences or he's not a big weeper. He's, he's not, you know, he's not like, oh, I just felt the presence of God today. My father has always been a doer. Like he has to, he's been a worker. 
And the thing about Christianity is there's space in Christianity for the smart people. There's space in Christianity for the emotional people. There's space in the Christian church for workers. There, there are sp- the thing about Christianity is for everybody. It's not an exclusive group. It's for everybody. Atheism doesn't have that. Atheism, you have to fit in. You have to pass the IQ test before you can get in. Christianity, it's open for everybody, and Jesus is so big and so accessible that you can get to him by being smart. You can think deep thoughts about Jesus and never get to the bottom of them, but you can also have an emotional experience of Jesus and never get to the bottom of that. And you can also be a doer and be connected to Jesus and never never completely comprehend him because Jesus is so big. He's for everybody. It's a wonderful thing about Christianity is it's the most inclusive, way more inclusive than atheism. It is the most inclusive community, the most inclusive family in the history of the universe. So let's review one point here. Did you just say to the person who confessed, I feel really stupid when I find myself being challenged on my faith and my belief, and you said, well, you are stupid? Is no, I that- said you might be stupid. <laughs> I didn't say you are. That, that would be very arrogant. But you might be stupid. And I wouldn't say stupid because the thing about stupid is, this is off topic a little bit, stupid, from a, from a person with a high IQ, calling somebody stupid is a put down. People who don't have high IQs know that stupid is not what it's about at all. There's emotional IQ too. There's also tactile. The, look, I, I always think about this guy who is, uh, um, he might be, he, he might have passed away now. I, I knew him 20 years ago, 15 years ago. He was my shade tree mechanic. And this guy had been a, a, a union electrician his whole life. He'd retired. He's an old man. And, uh, he couldn't like he couldn't explain philosophy to you, or he couldn't. He wasn't a thinker or a reader, but he would get it. You know, he would. I would call him and I would say, "I'm having problems with my car," and I would say something like, the, "I'm, I'm going to make stuff up because I don't know anything about cars." I would say, "The car when it hits 25 miles an hour, it does this certain sort of wonky thing," and he would say, "All right, Aaron, listen. When you put your key in the ignition and you turn the key, does it make this sound?" And I'd be like. Yeah. And he'd be like, okay, I know what it is. Bring it in. I think this guy's a genius, you know, because he didn't have like book smarts. He didn't have emotional intelligence, but he knew his way. Like for me to call him stupid because he didn't have a college degree would be, first of all, just be completely arrogant and self-serving on my part. Me, me trying to make myself feel smart by putting somebody else that wasn't in my group down. The The other thing though, is that it would be completely wrong. The guy had off-the-charts tactile intelligence of engines and automobiles and, and other things that related to that, too. Like So to, to say to somebody, you know, you're stupid because, you, you know, you didn't read the book that I read last month is just completely wrong. So I wouldn't – so I say you might be stupid. I, that's probably the wrong – even that was wrong. I would never say you are stupid. But I might say, you know, an atheist says that you're – you feel dumb around an atheist. I might say, you know what, that's because you don't have that – the, the, they're rational and logical, and maybe you're not rational and logical. That's cool. Don't worry about it. The thing about it is Christianity is a spot for you. They might be rational and logical, but that doesn't mean they're right any more than, you know, I have several uh, I have several graduate degrees. Does that make me right about cars over against my shade tree? Absolutely not. He's got his own sort of intelligence. Your connection to God, that's that's on your own level. That's on your own level. 
And God is big enough for the smart people to get to him and for the, uh, the, the not educated to get to him too. I would not stress out about that at all. Psalm 14 verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God, which I take to be a kind of an atheist perspective. So if you were to find yourself in a debate with an atheist, and again, not a public debate, just a private conversation, would you privately in your own mind and heart begin your discussion viewing your opponent as a fool? I wouldn't say it out loud, and I wouldn't even say it to myself privately because I wouldn't want there to be any sort of tone coming from me, even unintentional, that would imply that somehow what we're going to do now is, so you're an atheist and I'm a Christian, I know that you think that you're logical and rational. Let's have a debate where we decide who's the smartest. Because frequently that's what that comes down to. It's a contest between, you know, we're going to use, and that's a very, very anti-Christian thing to do, to use God as, as a tool in a contest to prove that I'm smarter than somebody else who doesn't believe in God. I would never want to do that. Never in a million years want to do that. When the Bible says that the fool says in his heart there's no God, what it means is this. We can say this now. It's a conversation between two Christians. And if you're an atheist and you're listening, and I know that there are listeners who are struggling with whether or not to be a Christian, I would say if you and I had this conversation one-on-one, I would definitely be more sensitive than what I'm about to sound now. But for me and Chuck, in this context, I can say this. When the Bible says that the fool says in his heart there's no God, what the Bible is saying is, is that atheists are, by, de- by biblical definition, foolish, fools. What the biblical definition is this, someone who's not in touch with reality, someone who is not accommodating their existence to an established reality. In this case, the established reality being the creator God, the creator and re- redeemer God. If I act like the creator and redeemer God is not real, that makes me a fool if he is real. I'm a fool if he's not real because I'm just like going to church and, you know, I've got all these grad degrees and then I take a low paying job or, you know what I'm saying? Like a pastor to do this. I, I I expend a lot of emotional energy in prayer and thinking that God is up there, you know, that God exists or whatever. That would make me a fool. The Christian would say that it's our job to accommodate ourselves to the reality that is God. I've used this illustration before. I can say that there's no God, but there better be no God because the reality is the reality. And if there is a God and I say there's no God, I'm in big trouble, especially if I say I can't believe in a God who would let bad things happen. If that's my position, ooh, that's dangerous. Because bad things don't change reality. Like, you, you can't just wish away bad things. And if God exists and there are bad things, somehow I'm going to have to say, I've got to get comfortable with both of those things being true. But the example I've used is, you know, you're standing on a beach and a tsunami is coming in. And you can say to yourself, I hate tsunamis. That tsunami is going to come out, come in here and wipe out the towns and cities along the coast. It's going to kill people and destroy millions, maybe billions of dollars worth of property. I'm going to shake my fist at that tsunami and say, I can't, I refuse to believe in that tsunami because that tsunami is going to do evil things. You can do that if you want to, but you're going to die. You're going to die. So what a fool does is 
refuse to acknowledge reality in order to maintain their own made-up reality. And what I would say, you know, again, it's safe here between me and you. I, I wouldn't be this harsh if I was talking to a, a, an atheist. Is you, you best accommodate yourself to the ultimate reality so that you don't get hurt. You don't want to get swallowed up by the tsunami. And God is a tsunami. He's not up there in the sky looking down with his big beard and chuckling every once in a while and tossing out a beautiful sunset here and there when he feels nice and you know throwing out some cancer here and there when he feels mean. He's a tsunami. And as a Christian, it's best to just say, I have to acknowledge that and adjust my own existence to match up with that reality. And so I wouldn't say it out loud, but yeah, the, the question is one of reality and who we are in relationship to it. So it is a question of foolishness. So stop me if I the statement I make here is wrong or inconsistent. But for our atheist listener or unbelieving listener who says there is no God, Psalm 14 says that person is a fool. You are a fool. Now let's talk to our Christian friends. Matthew 5 verse 22 says, Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And here's the point. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if the Bible declares that the one who says there is no God is a fool, why am I in danger of hellfire if I call my atheist friend a fool? Well, because the Bible has the, the Bible as God's word, the, the Bible as God's communication to us, it has the right coming from the mouth of God to decide who's a fool and who's not. And I don't. I don't have that knowledge. I, you, you know, so I can say, you know, I can say to an atheist, you don't believe in God and God exists. That makes you a fool. And the atheist could say to me, well, you don't believe, you, you don't believe in having. Uh, I'm just trying to make something up here. You don't believe in having yearly physicians going for a yearly doctor's appointment when you very well could have cancer. That would make you a fool, and the atheist would be right. Like if I'm not, if I'm like, well, I don't, I don't even want to know if I'm sick or not. I'm just not going to go to the doctor. That would make me a fool. It would take you know the reality of you know cancer. Say I had cancer. The reality of that cancer, and say I'm just going to ignore it. That would make me a fool, and they would be right. But I don't know where the atheist is a fool and isn't a fool. So Jesus warns us against calling each other fools, as we're all fools. Every human being is refusing to conform to reality in some part of his or her life. So we're not going to call each other fools. We're not going to use that power play language. We're going to let God decide who's the fool. And back in the Psalms, he says, if you don't believe in me, you're a fool. He has the right to say that. I'm going to hold off on that language. Like I said, when I'm talking to an atheist or anybody, I'm not going to say you're a fool because I open myself up to the charge of being a fool as well. We'll let God say that. And and he does say, conform yourself to my reality or you're a fool. And so we let him have that final word. So I want to come back around to a previous point and maybe explore that a little bit more deeply. It seems to me that the arena for a debate between a Christian and an atheist just has no commonality. It doesn't overlap. We have faith in God. And we speak what we believe to be irrefutable truth based on that faith. What's our evidence? Our evidence for the existence of God is described in Hebrews 11, verse 1. 
where it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and here's the important part, the conviction of things not seen. Yes, I have faith. No, I have not seen God. My faith, for me, is my evidence for the existence of God. And for me, we're done. The atheist can only form his rebuttal by, as I think you pointed out earlier, using his intellect. He does not see God and therefore concludes that there is no God. So how can these two persons possibly progress in their discussion? I yeah. know I asked that earlier, but I'm right. still a little foggy on yeah. that. Yeah, here's a different angle on it, and one that we quite possibly have talked about in here before. I think it's I think that the Enlightenment era model of knowledge is wrong. I don't think that evidences lead to fundamental beliefs. I, that's not the way it works. It's just not the way humans work. And a lot of times, you know, if I talk to atheists, they'll say, "Well, if you just get, if you give me evidences, like I don't see, if you if you can if you can give me proof, I'll believe in God. Show me the evidences, and I'll believe in God." Christians sometimes are like, "Okay, well, that's our job then. Let's collect the evidence and prove that God exists." I think that um, you, you know the, the 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 better model is a model called uh, that. that some people have called critical realism, and I don't have time to unpack that completely here, except for say this. I, I like the way, you know, St. Augustine's dictum, uh, fides quorens and electum, faith seeking understanding, is the case for both. You don't, you don't have understanding, and then that leads you to faith. You start with the presuppositional commitment because, like I said earlier, Atheists can't prove that God doesn't exist. I can't prove that God does exist, which means we're both working from faith. So one of the the good insights that uh, postmodern thinkers have come to recently, Christian and non-Christians, which is actually everybody has faith. You can't you can't think any thoughts without some sort of unsupported presuppositional foundation, like God exists or God doesn't exist. So if we start off, if we both start off with faith. Then we can start looking at the evidences, not as proofs of the faith, but as pointers back to the faith that we have. And so I can't, I can't make somebody believe that God exists. All I can say is that I believe that God exists. I believe that God fundamentally exists in Jesus of Nazareth. I believe that the God who exists, the God who is there, is a God who became a human being, was executed, lynched on a Roman cross, rose from the dead three days later, and now rules over the entire world. And all I can say is like, now when I look at evidences, when I look at the, the experiential phenomenon in my life, that makes sense. The, the, my fundamental belief in Jesus of Nazareth makes sense of all those things. Like I've come to see that life is way more valuable when it's lived through the prism of self-sacrifice and giving love than when it's lived through sort of an animalistic prison of you fight to get yours and the weakest have to die so the strongest can survive. And I think that a lot of the atheists I talk to agree with me about that. But here's the deal, is that my presupposition that God exists as a self-sacrificial covenant-giving God, not as a theory, but in real life, became a human being to give up his life, that makes sense of my belief that the weakest have a right to be loved, that the elderly, that the sick, 
that the prisoner, that the ethnic minority has a right to be valued. My belief in God makes sense of that because my, my God is a God who made himself an outcast, who made himself vulnerable, who died the death of a slave in order to give the slave value. But if I'm an atheist, my fundamental, my, my fundamental belief is that there's no inherent morality in the universe besides that which we assign to it. My fundamental belief in the universe is that God doesn't exist, so we're all machines, which means whatever I do to survive is right. My fundamental, my fundamental belief is that the strongest in our society are benefited when the weak are weeded out so that more resources can be used to benefit those who can do the most production in society. I don't believe that, and my atheist friends don't believe that either. So now, whose presuppositions make the most sense with the evidence? I think that mine do, the Christians. And it has nothing to do with being smart. It has nothing to do with being intelligent. In fact, the intelligent sometimes can't grasp that. Sometimes it gets in the way. Sometimes it gets in the way. But my presupposition makes the most sense, I believe, in light of how the world works. And that's my argument for Christianity is that Jesus makes so much emotional, practical, yes, even intellectual sense. So let me restate what you just said, I think, in my own way, and then I'll submit myself to your correction. Feel free to uh, tell me, no, Chuck, you're, you're wrong on this or that. You've already affirmed that the atheist is pretty much left with his intellect. That's, that's his source of power for his argument because he's yes. thought it through to his own satisfaction to the place where he's confident. It can only be logical. Oh, can I, can I interrupt you real quick? Sure. Say, many of the new atheists are moving off of that hardcore atheism because some of them have said, uh, there's actually a YouTuber called Cosmic Skeptic who has said, the problem with my my he still considers himself a skeptic too, is that new atheism was fun as an intellectual exercise and proving people wrong, but there was no reason for living. It didn't tell me what to live for. There was no hope and purpose in it. And so that year, you're totally right. So we compare to that maybe sophisticated, highly educated, even high IQ atheist to what I'll call a more common person, not as sophisticated, maybe not as bright, but because he or she has faith, she has something that I don't think the atheist can have, and that is what the Bible calls the peace that passes all understanding. That faith, which we affirm is a gift from God that comes from outside of us, that for us as indi individuals affirms that, yes, there is a God, brings with it the gift of peace as well, a settled spirit which is not constantly in turmoil because it's constantly trying to figure everything out. Is there a way to overcome my intimidation when I feel intimidated by the very smart atheist that I'm talking to because I have something that he probably doesn't have? Yeah. A oh, piece I, that passes all understanding? Yeah, I, I do think that. And, and we should have said this. I should have said this back when you asked me about my comment about some Christians being stupid is that only in a culture which says it's the educated, it's the specialist, it's the technically knowledgeable that have value, and we'll be in charge. And the rest of you workers, like you know, you clean out our pipes, you know, you you uh, you make the food at McDonald's for us. That that'll be your job. Only in a culture like that would we be ashamed of not having intelligence, you, you know, uh, book intelligence. Common, yeah. 
In a culture which says all human beings have value, the artist, the intellectual, the worker, they could all get together and say, the child, they could all get together and say, we each bring something equally valuable to the, to, to the equation here. But since the intelligentsia own, uh, own the mouthpieces, they own the media, they own the universities, it's to their benefit to convince the rest of us that they are the indispensable ones and that the workers are less, to, you know. So I would just say to, to a Christian who's in that position, you just need to remind yourself it's fake. Their superiority is fake. Every human being has value. You have something they don't have. It could be hard work. Or, you know, it could be like practical knowledge of automobiles like my friend. It could be emotional intelligence. But to, to close off, what the Christian, whether they're intelligent, whether they're emotional, whether they're a doer, whether they're a child, what the Christian has is this deep sense that my presupposition, my belief that God exists in Jesus Christ actually matches up with my lived experience. That brings peace. What the atheist doesn't have is that sense because their presuppositions don't match up with their love for their kids, which doesn't have any sort of like cognate, it doesn't have any sort of root in their atheism. And so they constantly have to live with this disjunct, which brings lack of peace. And I, w- I would just say for the Christian, like preach this peace, offer to people that you can have peace. Your life can match up with your beliefs. You can know, you can feel you can be in connection and in touch with the Almighty God through Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Craving Answers, Craving God. At the top of our program today, I mentioned a positive email that we received from a listener. You too can contact us with your comments. Email us at this address, cacg at stjamesglencarbon.org. For Pastor Aaron Miller and Production Manager Larry O'Leary, I'm Chuck Rathard.